Hello and welcome to the In and Around podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Will Hunt, and I'm joined, as always, by Mikey Breslin. Hello. Dave Harris, a.k.a. your man, Ra Dave, BCFC. <laughs> Hi, Will. <laughs> Hi, Dave. Um, so, what's the In and Around podcast all about? Well, every week, three pals get together to discuss and debate the world of football. What are we talking about this week? Well, we're going to talk about how two teams from London upset all the odds. And instead of an all-Manchester final, we're going to be having an all-London final. I can already see you getting pissed off, Maggie Reza. Um <laughs> We're also going to be talking about the uh, return of Leeds United to the Premier League after they secured promotion. But first, before all of that, how are you, gents? How are we all doing? Yeah, good. All good. Um, been out on the golf course today, so it's been a good day. Out on the links. Can't complain. Well, it actually wasn't a league course. It was uh, more of a more of a parkland setup. But I've know, no idea. Good. I've no idea what that means. I just know in Happy Gilmore they call it the links. Yeah, I like that from you, Will. I've literally got two references for golf. One is Happy Gilmore, and the second is when I was watching the Masters one year. And uh, was it Yang? He was on an absolute tear. I don't know. Oh, Yang. Yang. Yeah. 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 He was. He was going off, mate. And I don't know much about golf, but I could tell that this guy was hot shit. Dave, how are you? Yeah, good, thanks, Well, After the AKA, there was a bit of... My stomach dropped a bit, Well, I wonder which one was coming. Uh, this... Don't mind this one, really. It's just a gamertag reference, so... Your man, Rade. Still, Still feeling pretty good, actually, Well, to be honest. <laughs> oh, you wait till next week. We're oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Okay. So, let's get down to brass tacks. Um, let's start with the FA Cup. Um, Mark, you pulled a bit of a, a face when I said that two London teams had upset the odds to uh, make it an all-London final rather than an all-Manchester final. The underdogs won both games, didn't they? Uh, Arsenal definitely upset the odds. I don't know. Did Chelsea upset the odds, really? Well, Man United have beaten three times this season and were coming into okay. the game in red-hot form. Yeah. Also, resting Pogba, Greenwood and Martial. Um, we rested our best player and lost another one to injury. Right. Who's your best player? Um, Christian Pulisic, thank you very much. Oh, yeah. OK, yeah. And not off the bench. No, we didn't need him. It was so comprehensive. Anyway, but let's before we get on to the slightly more contentious game, let's start with the Arsenal. And their 2 0 win against City. Emmerich Obama Yang scored the two goals. Um, what did you think of this performance from an Arsenal perspective? We'll come on to City shortcomings later. Well, excellent, really. They were they were at it pretty much straight away. Um, you've got, I, I guess, the back three: Louise, Mustafi, and Tierney. Particularly Louise is it is the one everyone's talking about. It's the one I uh, want to talk about as well. Yeah, um, he probably had his best game of the season. I would suggest it, um, every block. It always seemed to be him. He played a lovely ball to Aubameyang just before Aubameyang scored, I think, mm-hmm. uh, which Aubameyang missed the chance. Hell of a miss. Yeah, it was actually a weird ball. I was talking to uh, one of our other mates about this. He agreed that it wasn't a normal Aubameyang finish. No. He just he just went for power, which is not really what I associate with the Bamiyang so much. He's more I more associate the 
the finish on the second goal, the sort of um, yeah. bit of silk pace to get away and then a bit of silk just to sort of side foot into the goal. Um, Dave, yourself, what did you think? Yeah, I thought Arsenal were really well disciplined, which isn't something I'd been yeah. thinking of Arsenal really this year, um, to say the least, as we've discussed about 20 times. <laughs> Not just um, this year. Well, yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think defensively they were they, they were very good. Um, and they sort of played to their own strengths. They didn't really, as you see with a lot of teams trying to play Man City, they sort of fear Man City. I felt like Arsenal went into this game with a game plan and that's yeah. all they cared about. They didn't let the fact that they were playing Man City sort of go to their heads. They just went out with a plan and, and executed it, really. Yeah, ever since we um, released the podcast bashing Arsenal, they've been pretty good. Um, that's the in and curse for you. Um, you wanted to quickly touch on David Luiz. I'd also like to quickly touch on David Luiz because I thought he was fantastic. But you go first, Brez, as the formal central defender. Well, yeah, I mean, he was... Uh, every block just seemed to be Luiz somehow. Mm-hmm. He, he, he was always in the right position. And what I think you're going to say, but I'm going to say it anyway, is in a, he's so much better in a back three. Yep. As the centre of the back three. Um, surrounded by... He's got Tierney to his left, who I really like. Yeah. Um, Maitland-Niles, obviously, slightly ahead of him. On the other side, you've got Bellerin, who I also really like. And Mustafi, who I don't, I don't think had a very good game here, but he was covered a little bit by Louise. He was, he was fine. He was OK. Yeah. He's, he's, he's got a decent rating here on who scored, which I'm looking at. But... He did a, he did his job pretty much. He was there. Yeah. Um. Quick, just quickly, it was quite an interesting system, and it sort of it sort of played to the strengths of um who Arteta's got in that back four, back four, back five. Um. By having Tierney, they were sort of out of possession. They were five, and then in possession, Tierney moved from left centre back to a left back. I thought worked really well. It's interesting about David Luiz because. He's had success in a three. I don't think it's so much whether or not he's playing in a three or whether he's playing in a two. I think it's more dependent on what you're asking him to do. I know we talked a couple of podcasts ago about David Luiz's shortcomings in terms of going out wide um, and asking him to defend a lot more spaces when he runs into trouble. This was very much reminiscent of his best performances in the Chelsea shirt when you're thinking about Munich or something where you're giving him the box and you're saying, right, attack this space defend for your life for this small amount of um, space. And that's something he really excels in. Um, so it is smart for Arteta to um, to sort of use him in this way. Dave, it was, it was an impressive result for Arteta. It's not the, not the first one of the last week, is it? No, I've been, I've really picked up to be fair, Arsenal. Um, yeah, they're really good against Liverpool. Um our friends, I think that we've pre our Arsenal fans have been uh, getting at us maybe a bit in the WhatsApp recently, uh, probably rightly so. <laughs> um, one thing I'd like to point out with this uh, this game, Arsenal City, um, is I feel like Maitland Niles, to be honest, deserves a bit of credit. All I saw last week was him saying allegedly that he wants to leave. It was said that he had no future at the club, so I found it interesting that Arteta even went with him. And given Maitland Niles is very much a player that he basically seems to play wherever they want him to, even though he's actually a centre mid, thought he did pretty well, especially against Man City, um, of all places at left wing back. 
Um, but in terms of Arsenal as a whole, I've, as an Arsenal fan, I'd expect, as we're recording, they're playing Villa. So I imagine once I got, this goes out and I've said Arsenal are on an upturn, they'll probably somehow have lost the game and these words will mean nothing. <laughs> but But you'd hope, as an Arsenal fan, that this is the start of something positive to build into next season. And it very much looks like that might be the case. Yeah, Mike, um, I've talked at nauseam about how impressed we've been with Arteta's work. But it's it's we're going to come on to, I think, Man United in a bit and talk about how they've played a lot of slightly weaker teams and Ollie's work's looked really impressive. But it's when you get to the bigger teams that you get the litmus test. And, they're, and whether or not you think they're as good as they can be. This is a real big thing for Arsenal because off the back of losing the North London derby in admittedly a close game, having these two results as sort of almost validation for his, the work he's been doing? Yeah, definitely. It shows his team are playing for him. They understand what he's after from them. Uh, yeah, that's right, from them. Um, he's managed to squeeze in the front three, which... Yeah, Bamiang, Lacazette, and Pepe into one team, which is maybe as impressive as anything. I didn't see how mm. they could really play together, mm. and it work if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, beating Klopp and Liverpool, then coming to Wembley, FA Cup semi-final, and beating Pep, who obviously has taught Arteta a lot of what he knows managerially at least. It's pretty impressive. What yeah. a week! It's good what stuff. And. And the other thing is, you can see what he's trying to do and how he wants them to play. Yeah. Which is something we've complained about with a certain other manager yep. in the Premier League. Yeah. You can clearly see what he's trying to do. Admittedly, Arsenal fans won't accept them sitting and having 30% possession against Man City in a, in a year or so or two years' time. But for right now, it's working. Yeah, all right. I'll I'll just stop you there. Arsenal fans, accept thirty percent of possession against Man City if you win the game. So I, we'll talk about this later, but pragmatism amongst managers is is so important for what you're doing. And don't what they need to know, what they, Arsenal have been for so long is dogmatic in terms of Wenger had a really attractive style. He wanted you to play open, free flowing football, but sometimes you need to slow it down, Brez. Yeah, I I agree. I just think. Arsenal are probably one of the teams that have benefited from not having fans in the ground. Yes, given that is how, true. Given how quickly their fans can get on the team's back if they're not playing well. And without the ball for most of this game, yeah. whether that would have happened because they're winning, I don't know. But maybe in a year or so's time, as they progress as a side, I think Arsenal fans will expect them to be a little more attacking. But you're right. Mm. Pragmatism is definitely a good thing. Um Interestingly, I think top of the table of teams who've benefited from not having people in the ground is West Ham. Because <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ, they, they, they look a much better team with all the pressure taken off them. Um, so we've given... Yes, Mike, sorry. Yeah, just just another quick side note. Dave said he was going to eat those words. I was about Villa, to bring this up. Villa have just scored as we record, so it's 1-0. Excellent. Uh, I don't usually like to butt in with these things, but uh, since Dave just said it, I thought it was Yeah, I, I knew it was coming. Knew that's, it was coming. A, that's really good. And it's quite... In, it might have ramifications for the title race. Not title race. Um, title race. <laughs> relegation. Whatever, I don't know. I forgot. Um, we've given the flowers to Arsenal. Actually, before we move on quickly, I just want a quick word on Pepe, um, who quietly under the radar 
has had an okay debut season in the Premier League. Um, I think the shift from France to England's a difficult one, you, especially when you're a wide player because you're having to deal with a lot more physicality. And his cross for Aubameyang for the first one was a moment of real quality and not the first one this year. And I think it's only right when you, given the criticism he's had, that when he's had a, when he's started to play well, that we sort of we give him his flowers in a way, and we give Arsenal their flowers. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, I tell you what, if he turns out to be a player, that is a frightening front three. Frightening. Anyway, let's um, let's get off being nice to Arsenal because it felt weird. Let's let's go back to doing something which I love to do, which is shit all over Pep Guardiola. <laughs> because this game was an absolute microcosm of everything that's been wrong with City's season. They <laughs> had tons of possession got undone on the counter, couldn't break down a really, really well-organised defensive team and just resorted to crossing the ball a ton of times. I think there's a stat where every, when they've crossed over 20 times or something, they've only won four out of, like, 20 or some stupid like that. Um, Dave, where to even start with City? What did you see that you didn't like? I think in midfield, they didn't really have anyone to plug the play, if that, if that makes sense. Um, they weren't, just weren't clever in midfield. We've spoken about it before. Fernandinho, whatever you say about him, he's very clever for... Basically, if there's a break and he knows the team could be in trouble, he's probably going to foul his man, uh, which for City is is great because they get to regroup and to be honest as a manager it's probably what you want your holding midfielder to do every time as long as he's not on a booking Gundogan obviously doesn't really have that element to his game uh he's more of a I guess you could say like uh if you want him to be a deep line playmaker he's not really ever like a core defensive player well and I think that I think that stood out really they needed someone in that midfield that was going to be willing to do the nitty-gritty, and I didn't really see that in the Man City midfield. Yeah, well, they play Gundogan there against some of the small... They've started playing him there against some of the smaller teams because Pep likes the way he's one-touch passing, sort of moves the ball through midfield quickly. Um, however, he, you're right, Dave. He he really he doesn't do what Fernandinho does brilliantly and to a lesser extent Rodri of the tactical foul and stopping the transition play. And it was really interesting that We've talked this season that most of the teams who've done live, done Man City have been with pace on the counter attack, and they're really because Fernandinho had to drop back to cover Laporte, and we've seen these real structural problems. And it was quite interesting contrasting this game with the game with the Chelsea Man United fixture because Man United are such a dangerous counter attacking and transition team, and Chelsea have struggled so much. But what they did constantly in that game was foul. Or make it, or push up and make a tackle, um, and City just have really, really struggled with that all season. But Brez, some of their def- some of their one-on-one defending was woeful, wasn't it? I mean that that back four really. I don't know what they're doing. That it's particularly for that second goal. Yeah, it's it's one ball over the top. Mendy is just nowhere near where he should be. He's so he's so far back compared to the rest of the line. If there's one thing they tell you about being a fullback, it's be in line with the rest of the 
You're not yeah. the one that's deciding where the line is. See, he's got to be further up. Then it's offside. Even so, Laporte or Garcia, I think it was, was it Garcia on that yeah. side? Yeah. He's just done totally. It's like he, he was just not expecting it at all. And it seemed like the obvious ball. Arsenal are obviously going to try and get in between the centre-back and the full-back mm-hmm. with their pace, Pepe, Aubameyang. They're always going to try it. And that's exactly where the ball went. Walker's not there with his pace to, to clear it up. They're just so naive in the... I don't even know where Garcia was going on that goal. He's obviously never going to catch him, as we uh, no, as we saw. They've got um, they've got a real problem, City, in terms of the, to play the way Guardiola wants you to play. You have to have real, you have to have real specialised personnel, and they've got a real problem at left back in my eyes. Like this is the second time in a big game recently the Benjamin Mendy's cost them. Um, he didn't directly cost them as bad in this one, but you think of that Chelsea performance. You think of the way that people have been able to get down those wings. Um, I think, I think obviously, the, it's been so unlucky with injuries, but they really have started to take their toll now. And I've, I think City need major investment in the back four. Sounds um, like they're going to spend big this summer. Yes, yes. Nathan Ake will fix all your problems after he gets relegated by Bournemouth. Um, Dave? What a... Sorry, I was just going to say, what about no, Jesus? What? Uh, the front four is another question because they were all supremely ineffective in this game, I found. Um, I thought that worries Ma- me a touch less. No, I... Than the, I, than the defending. Well, City's problems for me started... Um, they started at the back. They par- they moved on into midfield. And once they were having the problems in midfield, there was, there was very little that they could actually do, the front three could do. I think it's worth mentioning that as much as we love David Silva, this game is a perfect example of why Pep doesn't play him in big games anymore. It's because he just physically looks off the pace to me. I thought maybe I was being harsh, but he just he just looked like he looked like the pace that Arsenal had and Sabayos just sort of just ran rings around him in a way. Yeah, I think you're right. It's a, which is a shame because I love watching him as a player, as yeah. as we've I've said a few times. But yeah, sometimes games you're against Sabias and, and Jacka, they're gonna they're gonna outwork David Silva, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty pretty much. Um Jesus, they may well want to bring in a frontline striker if and when Aguero goes. I tell you what, this is the first game I watched and I'm like I'm like, other than Sterling, everyone else in that team wants it to feet. Like Sterling will go beyond, but Mares wants it to feet. Silva wants it to defeat. De Vrijner wants it to defeat. Even Jesus wants it to defeat. They needed someone like Sane who was willing to stretch the pitch. Um, mm. That's the bigger one for me. I think they really do need to replace him with like a proper out-and-out winger. Yeah, um, and as soon as you said earlier, as soon as they start popping in crosses, you know, especially with Jesus in there, you know you've got them. Yeah. They're out, they're out of ideas. And if they're pop, popping in crosses to Jesus, Silva, Sterling and Mahrez, yeah. forget it. You don't well, Ma- win games like that. Well, Mar has had a really quiet game, um, which is which. Other than that one chance of where great save from maybe Martinez, but he had a really quiet game, which is quite uncharacteristic from him. Um, the one thing I will say, I will ask Dave, is you look at this team and Pep. Pep almost 
Pet and the midfield he chose of Silva, De Bruyne and Gundogan. Really attacking. He doesn't usually play that in games against the so-called big sides. Do you think he perhaps was a little bit disrespectful of the threat Arsenal played? Do you think it's a, a tactical mistake? Well, it's just sort of a mentality mistake from Pep, almost rather than. Yeah, that. I think I think maybe he thought they could just get on the ball, play their game, and the game would basically be about Arsenal trying to limit Man City. It felt like he he thought that the game was. It felt like the game was. He thought the game was going to be in their favour, really, um, and I think with his selection, I think he just backed his is midfield especially, just get on the ball and not really have to chase it at all. Um, which, to be honest, given Arsenal with their pace going forward anyway, it, it always seems baffling to me when any team tries to do that, when you've got someone like Aubameyang at the other end, who's probably one of the quickest players in the league, if not Europe as a whole. Hmm. Um, and, and he's, he's going to finish if you give him a sniff as well. Yeah, Absolutely. To be fair as well, he may have thought that they could take advantage of Arsenal's defensive fragilities, which would make sense given what we've seen this season. However, they're actually very solid in this game. They're but really I think good. I think that probably would have played some sort of... Definitely would have played on his mind when selecting the team, I think, for this game, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, OK, well... I think let's move on from that semi-final and go to the other semi-final, which of course was Chelsea versus Manchester United. Chelsea win 3-1. Giroud, Mount, Maguire and goal and a Fernandez pen. Um, Lampard played a blinder, I thought. Um, matched up the systems. Um, sort of learnt his lessons, Mike. But I guess the question I have for you is, a lot going into the game, there were two major storylines. One, United win a lot of pens. And two, and to avoid fouling, and two, Solskjaer had Lampard's number. Although we've been on this pod before, and we felt that United and Chelsea's fixtures this season have been weird in that they haven't really reflected the balance of play, have they? Well, that first one in particular, the four 0 was nothing like. Well, it probably the balance of play probably wasn't even in United's favour that day. No, not um, at all. So that was pretty wild. The there was a Carling Cup one, I think, or yeah. whatever it's called now. Um, Rashford scored a worldie. Yeah. What are you going to do about that? Other than that, it was maybe a touch Chelsea edged it. Maybe. I think. Yeah. That was that's a pretty fifty-fifty game. I can't even remember the other game to be honest. League fixtures. Um, I think we had a ton. Of, we had a ton of players out, so it wasn't so, really. So that helps. Um, yeah, I mean, Solskjaer decides to rest a few. Yeah. It, I, I find it a bit strange when you've got, I mean, West Ham, who are probably safe now, would we say? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, think, it's, I think it's worth noting that I think both managers, for an FA, this is where I was like, for an FA Cup semi-final, I think you, what you saw when you looked at the team selection, which I looked at it and I thought, Thought right. Well, he's resting players for their for the top four running, and Lampard's rested Christian Pulisic, who's been Chelsea, far and away Chelsea's best player since the restart. So both of them clearly have the priorities and other things. But we still we lined up, we changed our system, and you changed your system. 
but we weren't in great form. I understood us adding an extra centre-half. I didn't understand United moving away from the Pogba and Fernandez free eights anchored by Matic. As a United fan, when you saw the team sheet, were you worried or were you just a bit like, oh, I don't understand this? Uh, yeah, worried, I guess. And also, I, I, yeah, I didn't understand it either. I don't know why Matic and Fred are playing together. That's just never going to work. No. Uh, and then you've got, well, yeah, a back five slash three, which I also am not sure what. Maybe we change to match up with your back five, but yeah, um, I don't necessarily know why we would do that. I guess yeah. I can understand resting players for the to try and get in the top four, but it's frustrating when I would back uh, us resting players against West Ham. Uh, on Wednesday and still coming out. We'll see what the result is. We'll probably lose now. That but... can backfire, my son. That can yeah. backfire. God. I mean, that's what I'd have rather seen anyway. Me, uh, if I if I were a United fan, that's what I would have rather seen too. Dave, um, mm. interestingly, this game is that Chelsea came out, they were on fire, deservedly, but the manner in which they took the lead, individual errors from United, particularly in the first two goals, Lindelof a bit slow on the cross. Giroud, classic near post finish. De Gea probably could have been stronger. The second one, Williams gives it away. I know you're a big Brandon Williams fan. Yeah. But De Gea, get, it's a tame shot from Mount. Which it's, he's hit it with a decent amount of power, but he's hit it right at De Gea. And yeah. you would expect Spain's number one goalkeeper to save that. I think you expect any Premier League goalkeeper to save that, well, not to Ken. be honest. I back, I back myself to save that. And really, oh, I just don't know what he's doing. I, I couldn't believe it when the shot went for him. I mean, I just, well, I was dumbfounded to be honest. It's just not <laughs> what you, it's not what you expect to see any keeper at that level let in. Dave even, even yeah, that's rare. Put <laughs> that in the diary. Um, even like a, even like a young kid coming into the team, you'd expect him to save that. Even. I'd say with the pressure, there's no crowd, but I guess there'd still be pressure for for a young kid playing. I'd expect him to save it, let alone David De Gea. And Lindelof, to be honest, with the first goal, I really try hard to like Lindelof because when he plays well, he's really, really good. But for a player with who already has his experience, he's... He's just very naive sometimes. Like you just want him to, you just want him to get in and put a name on the ball, and he hesitates. And at this level, hesitating is all all it really takes you to get punished. Yeah, I, I think that is shocking. Defending, shocking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've just watched it again just to remind myself how bad it was, just to get myself fired up. Yeah, Mike's, Mike's just defending. gone rad, and I'm not sure if that's he, because he's been out in the sun or he's fuming at Linda. Quick Lund, to thing, be honest, that view quick, quick thing, and we, and we will get on to giving Olivier Giroud his flowers, but you know exactly what he's going to do. Olivier Giroud has scored how God knows how many goals in the Premier League and in his career by making that exact move exact move and Lindelof's got to be wise it's it's the same thing I had an eye I was so annoyed a few weeks ago when when Rudiger let Yarmolenko on his left foot I'm like he's the most one-footed player in world football and you've not read the scouting report get (laughs) get a fucking grip and it was the same for it's the same for Lindelof but um 
Going back to the hair, Mike, is it time for a conversation? Yeah, I think so. Um, that first one, the goalkeeper he is now, I don't expect him to save that, but a couple of years ago, I, th- I think yeah. he saves that. Um, the second one is, as we've said, just a total horror display. Um, Henderson's had a really good season. It's obviously a different ball game in goal for United than it is for Sheffield United. It's not to be disrespectful, but that, I think that is true. Um, I don't know what you do. I don't know how you get rid of De Gea. And can you have 250 grand a week sat on the bench? 300. 300 grand a week. I think it's 350, actually. I think it's, yeah, really, it's well, ridiculous. He's the highest paid goalie in the world. Can you really have him sat on the bench? No, you can't. Can you afford to do that? Oh, I don't think you can. Dave? This is we've gone full circle. I'm about to throw out an XG stat here. David De Gea. <laughs> it's a sedition. It's finally happened. It's only taken thirty plus episodes. Um, David De Gea this season is XG Sorry, is zero point three. Last season his XG was actually minus zero point one. He's he's clearly not been at it for a while. To put into perspective, I think Guaita Palace is on plus. I think it was 11. The best Spanish keeper in the league. Depravka's on plus six. There's loads of loads of keepers on pretty decent numbers. And De Gea, basically from those stats, hasn't saved anything you want to expect him to. And and frankly, if he has, he's ruled them out by letting things in that he should have saved. So yeah. I think Dean Henderson's proved himself. And when you've got a, a keeper of that quality... As, as we've seen with keepers in general, if you don't use them, you'll end up losing them at some point. Yeah. It's, so. quite, it's quite um interesting, the De Gea situation, because he's he's not been good for since the 20... He's not been good since slightly before the 2018 World Cup. And we've all sort of sat there and thought to ourselves, oh, here's David De Gea, we'll get it back. But the it's high-profile mistake after high-profile mistake now. Mm-hmm. For, for everyone he's for everyone he saves you, he lets in another howler. If you want to be where Man United want to be, you can't have a keeper doing that. Um, and I haven't got an haven't got an easy answer for you in terms of sitting on the bench and having three hundred seventy five grand sat on the bench, particularly when United have just experienced this with Sanchez. However, the one thing I will say was, with goalkeepers, a, a position you can't afford to mess up. And if you've got a talented backup, you've got to pull the trigger early and you've got to get I him. Don't, this is another thing I've got a problem with his selection. He plays Romero in the cup competitions and then this game decides to play De Gea. Well, we, well look at the other side. Caballero plays, played in most of the, the run-up fixtures, except for one against Liverpool where Kepa was all of a sudden second choice. But Lampard has said, I'm playing my second choice in every game in the cup. Um, and you look at it, on the other side and it sort of breeds that familiarity for them they know what they're playing it's their competition so I don't understand why he didn't play Romero we, we've probably got the best second choice keeper in the world hold on right <laughs> firstly I'm not having that not having that you've not what, got the, the Argentina number one no what, 96 I'm... caps for Argentina firstly Juventus they're back up to Chesney's Buffon Oh, yeah, but he's old. He can't move. Well, neither can De Gea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he's the he's first not old. choice. He's the we first don't... choice. We're not talking about him. 
What Sorry about... to the elder viewers out there. We uh, don't actually condone ageism on the uh, pod. That is true. That is true. We don't. Is that disgusting, Bretton? You're going to be cancelled. So, uh, <laughs> I'll go out with a bang. <laughs> tell you who should be cancelled. David De Gea. Um, personally, I think it's time for. I think it's time for a move. I think you. You're in a similar situation to when um, we had to replace Petr Cech or Thilo Courtois. At some point, the right decision is just the right decision, and you have to put sentimentality, sentimentality, sentimentality aside and just do it. Anyway, yeah. United were they even that bad? That's my question. Or were Chelsea that good? Because you want to talk about Pep getting his tactics slightly wrong. Lampard got them spot on. The change to the back three allowed everyone to push in midfield and they, the, the line of engagement was much higher up the pitch, which meant that they were fouling people. They were fouling United much higher up the pitch, stopping the transition, stopping Bruno Fernandes, Rashford, Martial, Pogba getting comfortable in and around the box. Great podcast. Um, with free kicks and set pieces that we know they're really good for. Um, I want to have... Just two seconds, just two seconds. There's a few people I want to shout out from the Chelsea performance. We won't go long on it. I want to talk about Cesar Azpilicueta quickly. Because he had a torrid start to the season. Torrid start to the season. However, in the second half of the season, he's been really good. And this game, he was absolutely sensational. However, I do want to ask a question. Do you hate him? Because I think Do to I myself, I think to myself, if I if my team was playing him, I'd hate him. I love him, mate. I think he's class. Why do you think he's class, Preston? He's just he's just eight out of ten every week. You know exactly what you're going to get out of him. He's gonna he's gonna be a bit of a he's gonna be up for the scrap. That's for sure. Yeah. Make a few fouls. Yeah, he's he's happy to foul people where he needs to. I think he's class, man. He's such a good defender over such a long period. Mm. I'd love him in my team, that's for sure. I, I, I love him, but um, I just watching this game, watching him charge around, clattering to people, I was sort of like, would I hate him? Um, would I hate him? Um, the second player I just want to give a quick shout, shout out to is Mason Mount because he was absolutely out. Like He played left wing, out of position, pressed, harried, did everything he had to do, was creative. Scored the goal, admittedly, with an assist from David De Gea. But he was absolutely fantastic for it. And for a 21-year-old lad to step up and do that, it was great. But sort of rush through that so we can, I can ask you a question. Is World Cup winning Olivier Giroud the most underrated striker in Premier League history? Yes, possibly. I can't think of any others. Because I think the common consensus around Giroud is... Ranges from he's not very good to he's okay. And a lot of a lot of people say he's too slow, and that like that's not like he's adapted his game perfectly to basically account for himself. Well, which it, I've always found strange. The thing is, he's thirty-four, and Chelsea's season drastically upturned. When they when they binned off Michy Batshuayi and started playing Giroud, and I just I just want to look at his last couple of years. World champion, got an FA Cup, Europa League, and he's on for another FA Cup. He's having 
if this is if this is him winding down his career, he's having he's still as effective as ever. Harry Maguire, eighty million pound signing, could not handle him at all. Yeah, that third, third goal, uh, the first goal, obviously got across Lindelof. He scored thirty nine for France. He's almost a hundred appearances for them. I mean, they're the world champions. These guys know what they're doing. Yeah. If he's playing up top for them. He's got to be pretty good. The guy scored goals everywhere he's been. Yeah, but I I think there's um I think there's there is a tendency for people to sort of underage Giroud, and I think th- there is also probably something to the fact that every club he's ever been at has been looking for another striker as well while they're there because he just doesn't score. He just he doesn't score enough goals, but he does score important goals. And uh, just want to take a moment to. To point out how good he is, because <sighs> I just wanted a bit of enjoyment before we move to the next topic, which isn't going to be. <laughs> <laughs> Let's quickly touch on this, and then I want to get to Watford. Go on, someone talk to me about Leeds. <sighs> well, until they play their first game of the season, we're going to hear every day about how Leeds have won the league and how they're coming up to the Premier League. Um, I mean, yeah, it's fully deserved this season. Not going to take that away from them. It's about time they came up as well. They've been bottling it for what feels like years. four, five. Well, literally four or five back-to-back seasons. Um, I, I'm sort of excited to see what they're able to do. Um, but I also think their fans need to remember that. I haven't been in the Premier League for 16 years, so we need to stop acting like they're about to go and dominate the league. <laughs> Which is what it feels like. Um, yeah, I, I, to be fair, they fully deserved it this year. I'm a bit annoyed West Brom didn't didn't actually. They forgot how to play football. It feels like for for a good portion of the season, West Brom. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, Leeds deserve their credit, and that's really all I have to say about it because I'm not particularly happy about it. Uh, I don't watch a lot of Champions uh, Championship football. Try and avoid it. Because um, there's a lot of teams I don't like down there. Um, however, I remember sitting down to watch, um, hearing a lot of stuff about Bielsa. And at the start of last season, I was watching a lot of Frank Lampard's derby. And I remember sitting down to watch um, derby play Leeds early doors. And watching Leeds play. And they were just better. It was one of those... Po- Jim, it's, this is going to sound like... This is going to sound hyperbolic. But it's the only way I can compare the feeling. Do you remember when you used to watch... Pep's Barca and they were light years better than anyone they were ever on a field with Yeah, that's how it felt watching Leeds play in the championship at times because they were so dominant everyone knew what they were doing it was just emotion and occasionally they ran out of steam or perhaps didn't finish the chances they should have had but watching them in the championship has been absolutely incredible will it all translate to the Premier League without investment? I'm less sure Brez, you looking forward to watching them? Yeah, I am. I would echo what you just said. They're pretty much head and shoulders above everyone in, in the championship. It's a shame West Brom, as Dave said, didn't push them a bit closer. But um, what's interesting with Leeds, I guess, is that it's a pretty similar squad. to. It. I know they've got a few loanees and they have signed a few people, but a lot of the names from a couple of years ago when Bielsa joined are still there. Yeah. And they just they're just totally different players now. Yeah. All of them are just so much better. 
Luke um, Ayling in particular is absolutely fantastic now under Bielsa. Yeah, mm. some of the some of the guys to look out for next year. Ayling is one of them. Calvin Phillips, Hernandez, if he sticks around, is good. I don't know if Ben White will still be there, but he's I, a good player. Whether or not they're going to be able to afford Ben White, I don't think they will. Because Brighton have got a player on their hands there. Yeah, yeah, he's really that, good. he looks really good. Um, I think the thing for me with Ben White is watching him play against Mitrovic because Mitrovic is a Premier League striker playing in the Championship. And the yeah. other day, when they played Fulham last, I, I, I caught a bit of it and Ben White just had him on toast. Um, he is brilliant. So, Bielsa, this, this Leeds feel very much like to me a bit like I felt about Wolves a few seasons ago where I'm looking at them thinking, well, that's a team tailor-made for the ready to Premier League. They've got a Premier League quality manager. Let's not forget Bielsa has inspired countless people like Pep and all these. He's got all these admirers. Yeah, all these admirers. However, Leeds are still not the most... They're not going to go out and splash tons of money. It's not what's going to happen. So they're going to have to make do with a lot of this this squad taking it up against playing the Premier League. And I think they'll be fine. However, I do think there's a, a slight worry in terms of them main, them going up thinking, hey, we're used to winning all the time. And these methods, these eccentric Argentinian man, makes a lot of it sense when you're um uh eccentric Argentinian man. It's just an eccentric man, sorry. Um, <laughs> um makes a lot more sense when you're winning every week. And we've seen it before, Bias, particularly with in France, that if the going gets tough, he sods off. Um, yeah. So I, I don't want to put the kids to death to it, but I just think it's they're going to be really interesting both on and off the pitch next year. Um, yeah, I, I'm just wondering if they um, if they're going to stick with Bamford up top or if uh, if they're going to try and get a striker in. I I'm not sure, but he fits their style well. You just need yeah, him to so, score more goals. Yeah. yeah, exactly. What's his his xG? He's got 15 something goals. His xG is like 25. Something like that. Yeah. Should um, be. Can, can, they afford, can they afford that in the Prem next year? Well, Bamford's, ne- Bamford's never had a crack in the Premier League. I know he played at Crystal Palace, but they never really gave him a, a crack. I think with Bielsa's system, there's a there's a big thing to be said for continuity. Um, if you get a... Think about the shortened season. Think about the shortened season between now and when it starts again. They've got to get someone in and they've got to have that person be perfectly fit for the system. And then they've got to train you up on all the little ins and outs of it. That's a very difficult thing to mess with on the eve of your season. Very difficult mm. thing, particularly in such a shortened time frame. Anyway, Bamford's really good. Bamford Island. <laughs> As I said on this podcast, he scored 17 goals in Middlesbrough on loan from us. And I thought he was going to be the next big thing. So, <laughs> I'm absolutely chuffed to bits to see him playing in the Premier League. I love him. He's a shit ass. I love it. God. He's, he's a good follow on Twitter as well. He's going to score against us next year and I'm going to be upset. Yeah, you are. But I t- honestly, Leeds, just quickly, one last thing to Leeds. And I dislike Leeds immensely. But their story over the last couple of years from bad ownership to finally figuring out how it's been expiring. But bad ownership and a badly run club, Dave. What a segue that is. Oh, God. <laughs> the Hutchins. Which Watford. Watford. Oh, God. Which one? I like it. Definitely. Yeah, I was going to say which one. There's a lot in, the, in football in the England at the moment to talk about. But Watford. Oh, I just. 
<laughs> Honestly, I think Mike put in the WhatsApp um, before it was announced. Um, Mike with his industry yeah, links, no um, was like, apparently, Watford are going to sack Pearson. And I was like, surely not. He's He's got 25 points in 20 games. Well, he, he got. He's, he's not getting any more. He got 25 <laughs> points in 20 games, which given when he joined, they'd got, what, nine, nine points from 16? Yeah, it's quite the yeah. turnaround, and just surely going up against two of the toughest teams, you'd want your manager, even if you don't see him for some reason being there next year, for whatever style he's playing, or if if you have someone lined up, surely you let him finish the season, get the team over the line, and that way, if you have someone coming in, they're definitely coming into a Premier League team yeah. because it, it's just bonkers. Like if they even had someone lined up, I. I can't imagine a coach signing a contract with them if they don't know what division they're going to be in. So I, I, I just couldn't believe it. I still can't believe it, to be honest. Four managers this season. Four managers. Um, just quickly, uh, interestingly enough, Watford can still go down. Um, yeah. they've, got a very they lo- they've got a very losable last two games. And if Villa get... Well, they've already lost one of those two games. So oh, it was yeah. 4-0 to Man City colleges, earlier. Colleges, so now, now they play Arsenal, yeah. Yeah, so assuming that Arsenal beat him, which is never a never a guarantee, but if Villa beat Arsenal and then manage to get a point against West Ham, Watford lose their game. Watford go down. And to yeah, be honest, yeah. to be honest, if I could, I would, I would like Villa to stay up over Watford. Villa are terribly run, but at least they've stuck with their manager. Watford just trying to Watford. I just, I don't understand what you're doing. And I'm, it's like you say, Dave. Pearson is not an easy man. No. He's he's obviously the athletic sort of reporting that he's had bust he's had a bust up with the ownership and that the ownership have not been pleased with the tactics they've not been pleased with the youth being played but hit this man has saved your season from being dead and buried to giving you at least he's got a, a pretty good shot yeah. it's it's outrageous quite frankly and I would like to see him just fired in, fired out of a gun into the abyss quite frankly um. Brez. Yeah, the, the ownership <laughs> down there is is wild. I mean, um, Pearson seem to have done a pretty good job. They they have been on a fairly poor run yeah. recently. Um, but they're they're in seventeenth. So in, if they'd have, I mean, you never know what they probably wouldn't beat City. No, they probably wouldn't have beaten them anyway. But. You've got a chance against Arsenal. You probably, yeah, you need a point or two from your last couple of games, particularly if Villa win. Go on, the Villa. Um, I guess they were looking for another new manager bounce, but I just can't. It just can't get my head around it. Pearson is a man who's never been relegated from the Premier League, and would seem like a decent man to keep you in it. With yeah. two games to go, you'd think you'd let him finish the job. My he other also, thing is, who the heck is going to want to go in and manage these, even they, that, if they are a Premier League team? That, that's my point. Why would anyone want to manage? Like, you look at their appointments over the last couple of years. They've been shocking. They sacked Flores after he just had a he had a good season, then a bad run of form. Sack him. Garcia, decent, did decent. Sack him after a bad, bit of a bad run of form. Not drastic. And then you get to this season where they're just sacking manager after manager. I don't know why any self-respecting person takes that job. 
of the level they need. They're just actually talking themselves out of managers. Mr. Harris? Well, yeah, I mean, the red flags have been there for a while. Uh, Slaviza Yanukovych actually got the. Try that again. <laughs> I don't know how you say his name. It's Neither do I. Neither do I, but that didn't sound right. Is it Yukanovich? It could be Yukanovich. It could be Yukanovich. Well, <laughs> listeners will know. Is it Weird Al Yankovic? It's not Weird Al Yankovic, although he may have been in the dugout as some sort of coach. Um, he got them promoted. They didn't win the league. They were runners-up. Still automatic. Got them into league. That's the main thing. They actually sacked him. And uh, was it was Sanchez Flores the first time? Yep. Oh, who even knows? And then they, they've had who? Javi Gracia, uh, Marco Silva. Like, just a weird, weird run of, of well, managers. He was good. But yeah. even then... This board feel like it seems like with these owners, they don't really give people a fair crack of the whip. It, it just feels like even when they've been there for a while, they're still under the cosh. I don't know what vision the board have, but maybe they need to reassess how realistic it is. Yeah, the whole Watford situation, even, and I'm fully understand that I'm stood here as a Chelsea fan watching manager get sacked year in year out. But I cannot for the life of me understand why anyone would go in there. I don't understand what they're doing here. I I just... The thing is with Watford, you look at them and you're like, what's the... We talk about this all the time. What's the vision for Watford? What do Watford want to be? Like, are they... Do they just want to cling on to, cling on to the Premier League? Do they have a way of playing football? Because I can't think of one other than shit. Like, Dave... The thing is with Watford is it's hard for them to have a clear vision because their owners actually own, I think it's Granada in Spain and Udinese as well, mm. in Serie A. And I guess all three of those teams, they're like top division teams, but not exactly comfortably, any of them. Well, Granada qualify for Europe yesterday. Who did, sorry? Granada, but you you are right. Did they? Usually, fair, yeah. fair enough. They're yeah. usually, usually nowhere near there. Um, yeah, you're right. And I know that sometimes they transfer players between those teams. Um, like Stefano Okaka is quite a... They sold him from Udinese to Watford and then back from Watford to Udinese. I, 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 when there's transfers like that, it's like, are they moving it for assets as business people or are they actually trying to improve the other team? It's very strange. And obviously when there's man, there's owners that don't even have like a solid interest because it has to be shared between more than one club like it's not their sole priority it must be very hard for a manager to sort of ever feel that they're 100 percent on side because they're gonna have to go and spend time at these other clubs too it's it's not like you have an owner that is ever 100 percent there because they have other football teams that they're doing the same with with other managers and and board members i guess it's very it's a very strange situation i don't don't think there's any other Premier League team that hasn't think quite like it, to no. be honest. No, you're right. Um, I guess that's enough on Watford because I don't think they deserve to be speak spoken about. No. Dave, it's not official yet, but do you want to talk about Bournemouth and Eddie Howe? <laughs> I know no, we've given I'm... you a lot of grief this season about your feelings on Eddie Howe, so... Please take this moment to call me and Mike uh, today. This is the thing with Eddie Howe. 
it may seem like I've come across on the pod like I hate the man. I don't. I just feel sorry for him more than anything. He's made what on paper should have been quite quite a few good signings. This season, for example, is it... Oh, what's his name? Well, David Brooks, for example, was injured all the way to the restart, who was yep. a pivotal player that for Dan Juna. Dan Juna. Yeah. You see, I wanted to see say Dan Juna, Mike, but after my Watford Manager mix-up, I was thinking I was going to get it wrong, but it wasn't <laughs> Dan Juna. They signed him and he's not. He was injured for pretty much the whole season. Brooks was a massive loss. Callum Wilson, yeah. to be honest, his fitness sometimes never seems 100%, even if he's actually playing or in the squad. Um, it's a strange one. It's, I think with Bournemouth for the size of the club, however well they finished it, even just staying up actually felt like an overachievement, yeah. really, for a club of their size. Hmm. And I think it's backfired in terms of recruitment. Now, if Eddie Howe is, he may well be, given he's been there for so long and has, he might have a lot of power and transfers, maybe fairly solely on him. However, as we see with most modern clubs now, there's a lot more than that going on behind the scenes. There's owners, scouts, whatever. There's there's a few ticks before something can be made. But the the bottom line with this is Howe has added players that he's wanted to play his style. Now, they either haven't worked through injury or they haven't developed. And because of the way Bournemouth are, they can't really go out and spend somewhere yeah. else. Signing a player like Dominic Solanke for £19 million, Now, if, if he'd gone to another top six team, or even a team like Everton, is it really a problem for them? No. As we've seen with them signing players like Jenk Tosin, a lot of money, he's loaned out. They've bought Moise Keane. XYZ, they can... They can keep sort of going and buy people. Bournemouth can't do that. So yeah. he's basically spent 20 million on a striker that, as much as he's tried with him, just hasn't fitted into the system. I've always felt with Bournemouth when they're in the le- in this league, if Callum Wilson and Josh King are injured, where the hell do their goals come from? And frankly, this year, yeah, those two haven't really fired, I think it's fair to say. And one, one thing with Howe's recruitment, is he has bought an excellent defender in Nathan Ake. There's no doubt about that. However, the rest of the back line, like Cook, Smith, Francis, they've been there the whole time and they're 33, 35. And it's a bit like, uh, you you surely knew that these guys were going to have to come to the end at some point or they were going to to dip. Maybe, uh, to be honest, I think the only real positive of this season is he's found a cracking keeper in Ramsdale. Because... They'd been using like Boric, Federici, Begovic in sort of a rotation. They found a, a very good keeper. I just think with how the way he was playing with his team, it's football everyone wants to see. But Bournemouth have never financially been able to solidify signings, I guess. Yeah. Like they that if you're and due to wages, if you're a a player. Bournemouth probably aren't at the top of your list to go in, even if other teams in the the bottom ten of the table are coming in. They're, they're probably not at the top of the list of teams you want to go to. Um, Jermaine Defoe as well, financially, is probably... Disaster. God, a t- total disaster. And I'm sure without his 90k a week, he may have been able to go somewhere else. But yeah, basically my bottom thing with Howe is I don't have any grievance, I don't have any harsh feelings for him just feel that this project was always going to come to an end and it looks like in the Premier League it's the days are pretty numbered yeah 
it's a shame because um, Eddie has done a brilliant job, and I'll be interested to see if he, he has done a brilliant if job. If he stays with Bournemouth or if he moves elsewhere. However, I will look forward to us not playing them twice a year, so they can somehow <laughs> beat us four 0 home and away. Like fuck's sake. Um. Anyway, that's enough of our little uh, walk through the FA Cup and uh, around the leagues. Who's coming up? Who's going down? Um. Dave, if the people want to follow you to find out more why you think Eddie Howe's a fuck, where can they do that? <laughs> it's at Dave Harris underscore 44. Mike, and if they want to come to you and find out more about articles written about a Northeast club's poor recruitment, but putting a positive spin on it, perhaps maybe could he be another certain Brazilian striker? Maybe Joe Linton becoming new for me now example where can they find more illuminating analysis like that <laughs> yeah, yeah as always at mikey president on twitter for that excellent and if you want to follow me for more on uh why i thoroughly dislike every spanish keeper in the league there's no good ones there's no good ones they have a worse number one choice than we do and um, you can do that by following me at will hunt 17 um but please actually don't do that. Please instead follow us at In and Around Pod on all your socials, your Twitters, your Facebooks, your Instagrams and Snapchat. You can get some interesting pics off Dave there. Um, <laughs> what? Oh. Um, I, I you... can't believe this. This is, this is fake news. Um, so if you've got any questions, you can send them to in and around pod at gmail.com. Um, but until next time, have a good one. I, I can't believe how this has ended. <laughs> it's like Eddie Howe's just Eddie Howe's paid you to get some sort of revenge with.